Imagine you're in a place that is surrounded by nothing but snow. Ice cold mountains as far as you can see and large slabs of ice floating all around you. The temperature is minus 30 degrees. Not so bad for a place that can see temperatures lower than minus 50 degrees centigrade in winter. You're 12,000 kilometers south of home. And the closest human civilization is a week long travel by ship. Imagine you're collecting snow samples. You're digging into the ice and you hear some feet shuffling behind you. You turn around and look. There are four penguins standing there staring at you. Curious. As curious as your curiosity of finding something in the snow. They wonder what you're doing. It is indeed strange for they see very few humans on these lands. About 4000 scientists to be more specific. They watch what you're doing for about 30 minutes and then they wander off. And you smile and you say, even if we are in the middle of nowhere, we are never really alone. Easy to imagine? Well, you can imagine it to perfection if you experience it yourself. And our guest today, Dr. Anoop Mahajan, shared the story of himself during his last trip to the South Pole. Dr. Anoop is a scientist working for the Indian government's project researching in the areas of atmospheric chemistry as part of our efforts dealing with climate change. He grew up in Pune when the streets of Pune were walkable. Growing up as a student, Anoop was deeply religious and in higher school he discovered his fascination for science. His mind was quickly set on working with science and especially air pollution. The path led on to bigger things and eventually led him to work on bigger problem solving such as climate change. As an atmospheric chemist, Dr. Anoop Mahajan now spends his time measuring different gases in the atmosphere in remote areas, which means he spends months away from home in places like the Antarctic or on ships way far away from human civilization. What's also very interesting is how he spends his spare time publicizing science in a very cool and casual way with events that everyone can attend. I'm very honored to have with us Dr. Anoop Mahajan today share his views and thoughts with us. I welcome you to one more episode of 100years.in. Stay tuned in the next few minutes to know why Dr. Anoop believes science is the only way to ensure a bright future and also hear him elaborate on why we need to listen to the experts. Welcome to another episode of 100years.in. by Radio Room podcast my name is Amar Kulkarni and i hope you have a great time listening to this conversation with Dr Anoop Mahajan so hello listeners i have with me anoop mahajan hello anoop how is it going hi amar thank you for having me here uh, things are going well uh, as good as they can in these interesting times i would say I'm glad to hear about that. We've all heard the narration and the story about how uh, Anup chose this not so mainstream career, but now we are fortunate we have this conversation wherein we get to ask him and understand this a little bit more in detail. And of course, I'm very very curious to know Anup, how did you decide to do what you're doing as a scientist, as a research person? How did this happen? Oh, so uh, basically, it was around uh, my. Tenth standard uh, that I started realizing problems of air pollution, etc. You know, mm. the nineties was an inter- interesting time in in Pune's history because mm. not just Pune but all of India suddenly we became open to the world and and mm. things started changing rapidly. Mm. And with that, Pune also started growing because it was becoming one of these cosmopolitan cities. Right. 
and uh, if, if immediately i mean one could notice that air pollution was going to be a big problem in the future right uh, so i started getting active in that uh, you know th- that time of course as kids you can't do much so we used to organize these cycle rallies we yeah. were part of this group, group called radicals and all that nice, so yeah. it was it was basically getting into activism for for helping with air pollution and uh, then uh, through my 12th uh, i started uh, getting better at chemistry so you know i i realized my aptitude was there Mm. and uh, then the idea was to try and do something in environmental sciences using chemistry itself and uh, so i did my bsc in chemistry and after that uh, the choice was i knew i wanted to work on air pollution and then so i decided to do a masters in environmental sciences but while doing my masters in environmental sciences i realized that maybe it's not just air pollution which is a big problem but uh, we need to look at the globe as a whole and that's how i started deviating more towards uh, climate change and climate change obviously being in chemistry i could do atmospheric chemistry mm. so it started with air pollution but ended with bigger problems that we are facing <laughs> climate change interesting and it's very interesting to know that you had that uh, road map envisioned already way back in time so it allowed you to yeah. um, i think in a way you connected passion and your skill and abilities very very quickly very early in time I have to admit, I was I was one of the fortunate ones to know what I wanted to do. Right. Lots of people, you know, even now at my age, now people are still trying to figure out what they wanted to do. But yeah. thankfully for me, it it clicked pretty early, and thankfully I had the aptitude for it also. So you know, in that sense, everything has worked very well so far. You were passionate about air pollution, and you ended up as an atmospheric chemist. That's correct. Yes, that's right. How did that happen? That bridge from starting off with pursuing something with pollution and wanting to solve that problem and ending up as um, atmospheric chemist. Let us know what this journey meant and how did that happen. So I think that's a very natural progression. Uh, when you start thinking about air pollution, you're thinking on a local scale. Obviously, air pollution affects cities, etc., a lot more than rural areas. So living in Pune, that was the main thing that I was interested in because I was seeing that Pune was going down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. But uh, then when I started studying it in detail and pursued my master's and PhD, that's mm-hmm. when I started realizing that although air pollution is a major problem, a problem affecting lots of people, we are facing an even greater threat, which is climate change. Mm-hmm. And so considering I had the skill set to be able to contribute towards the fight against climate change mm-hmm. it just meant a very natural step to take uh, rather mm-hmm. than focusing only on local or regional problems to start thinking about the world as a whole mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it is a natural progression then i would say so i, I mean i'm not saying that everybody who does air pollution uh, ends up doing climate change mm-hmm. these are obviously interconnected problems mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. slightly different from each other but it is a natural progression if you start thinking about larger scales especially mm. at a global level then right. you would end up focusing more on climate change rather than air pollution itself right right and and from an academic perspective you finished your masters and you did your phd so dr anup majinyes i must remember that more often <laughs> uh, so so you did your uh, masters and then you do your your doctorate and, and then did you have to do some kind of an exam to get to start working on scientific research how does that go so usually when you're doing your doctorate you're already doing research because okay. a phd is essentially trying to solve new problems or, or find new solutions yes. so you're already doing re- research mm-hmm. the, the normal progression is usually masters then phd and then you do what is known as postdoc so that's mm-hmm. like a short 
three year stint mm. and then after that you end up starting your own group if you are fortunate enough mm-hmm. so that that progression is pretty clear in academia if you mm-hmm. consider uh, pursuing basic sciences mm-hmm. and then this connects to government uh, oriented research or government oriented uh, Uh, jobs or is it more private in nature how does that function from there on so yes i am a government babu <laughs> so <laughs> yes i i do work for the indian government the central government directly mm. and uh, in climate change there are more government agencies involved in them as compared mm. to private agencies the main reason being private agencies are always looking for quicker profits and mm. in terms of things like climate change and all we are looking at something a little further down mm. and also in terms of uh monetized returns it's not as clear as for other fields so mm. for example if you're doing biotechnology you know there's a very clear progression into into industry but for climate change that's not the case so most of the climate uh, change studying centers around the world not just mm. in india they're all government based okay okay and where would you rate this scientific effort in india's perspective in terms of our priority list you know whatever government is there in india the indian government how much do they prioritize climate change and scientific research to aid climate change so in terms of the amount of funding that is available for climate change studies of course we are not at par with some of the other sciences mm-hmm. but one good thing is mm-hmm. most of the indian politicians they do acknowledge that climate change is real and mm-hmm. it's happening because of anthropogenic influence mm-hmm. which is really the case thankfully we are not living in a country where the politicians deny this or do mm. not accept the science mm. so in that sense uh, we are fortunate in terms of the priorities uh, we obviously have bigger issues in terms of the short term mm. but we also know that climate change is going to be one of the biggest problems facing a population considering the size of it in the future mm. so the government has acknowledged them uh, they are trying to make efforts even they even though they might not be completely visible Mm. but uh, these efforts are happening in the background and we are slowly seeing seeing action being taken Great. whether it's quick enough uh, that is up to debate i would right. say we need right. to do more right. but we are at least doing something which is much better than quite a few countries true 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 and and i, I think i witnessed it myself in a little bit of work that i do with defense and uh, organizations in aerospace and we see that sure the funding is available uh, there are bright minds available and people are putting in effort and of course some of these things do take time you know scientific research i understand is time consuming and there are some results that take an x amount of time and we have to wait an x amount of time to that so um, i agree with you on that i have one question uh, just to connect that uh, a little bit more in what way do you think or, or i just want to know your opinion on how does scientific research help a nation's growth so basically if you think about what's been happening through human history absolutely no nation has progressed uh, further unless mm. they have a scientific uh, curiosity and and are pursuing science because mm. the only path to development is through new technology mm. so unless you have a scientific temper that's never going to happen and thankfully in india even though we have you know major problems with quite a few of the population still not having a scientific temper mm. it is developing we are moving ahead hmm. but do you see that scientific temper uh, in terms of climate change for example clashes with uh, the industries need to have a more capitalist consumerist society where we create more and manufacture more we consume more 
does that clash with the, the basic tenets of what climate change is fighting? Yeah, so this is this is the usual argument whether mm. development and climate change can go hand in hand or are they polar opposites? And mm. if you think about the industry as it functions now, mm. as you rightly said, you know, consumeristic and and focusing on just developing uh, technologies as they are used to developing. Mm. Uh, yes, then then obviously they're not going to work well together. However, mm. technology also steps ahead when you have problems. Uh, every mm. time mankind has faced a problem, they have come up with better technology to be able to solve this. Mm. So. I don't think it is impossible to be a developed nation while following the path of uh, mitigating climate change. Mm. However, we do need to change the way we think about technology and development. So it needs to be sustainable development, okay. not something that is just going to give us some returns over the next couple of years, but something right. that is actually going to sustain well into the future. Mm. And quite a few solutions are available now. It is whether there is enough political will to mm to start on, start on that path or not, and that's the question. Okay. That's interesting. And, and I agree with you because we, we do see at a very individual level, at a very micro level, sustainability is such an important thing. We've seen a lot of sustainable projects in terms of farming, in terms of handicrafts and cottage industries. There's so many people doing stuff like recycling or upcycling or uh, reusing. And uh, that's a big wave. But like what you said, the political will... Uh, to do this at an industrial level will change things in a very big way. I think that change yeah. would be interesting. Yeah, and in that sense, now sometimes the most visible changes are what the politicians need to push for. For example, uh, you know, Pune right now is is facing a traffic crisis, and there are ways to solve it, and and ways which will be sustainable. But the political will is still thinking about more roads, more flyovers, more tunnels, and and. Solutions which are basically, you know, 20th century solutions. We are not thinking about 21st mm. century solutions as yet. So that is the political will which is missing. And sometimes, you know, things like transport and all, those are very visible changes. So if the politicians do think about trying to address those, I'm sure the other industries will follow because everybody would see the kind of beneficial effects you can have by, by creating sustainable development. Bonus doesn't remain just on people doing small things. It happens in mass at a much macro, bigger level. So it has a sub, uh, substantial impact on, on the effort. Exactly. People obviously play a role, mm. but policies play much bigger roles. Much bigger. So what we should be aiming for, even as the public, is to try and influence policy rather than thinking about giving up small things on our own. Mm. Those do not contribute to the large-scale changes that are needed for tackling mm. climate change. That's a very interesting point. Thanks so much for that answer. I'm going to go into the meat of our uh, our show and our series with uh, some questions that I ask everyone. And I'll start with the first question. And that question is, what does India mean to you? Oh, India is its home. Uh, you know, I, I had the chance to stay back outside the country. I had a nice yeah, a nice job, a beautiful life. Everything was great, but I had to come back to India because India is home. This is what I've grown up experiencing, and this is the place that I really feel that my skill set can help make a positive change. So the short answer would be it's home, but it's home because of everything that I experience here. Mm-hmm. And I think we are fortunate that we have bright minds staying back, people like you working towards things that make such a big impact. You know, and, I must thank you for that. It's, it's great to know about Well, that. I don't think you need to thank me. I think uh, 
you know, I, I, I do agree with what you say in terms of the brain drain, but you have to remember that the brightest people will always go to places where they can actually exercise their their way of thinking and and that means quality of life etc so mm. the only way to encourage more people to stay back is to improve the quality of life and by that mm. i don't mean bigger houses and mm. things like that but the quality of life when you step outside your house and mm. you know, to be able to walk on a footpath for example mm. but those mm. small things they matter a lot mm. and, and the brightest minds will stay back if we are able to improve mm. our cities true true which which leads me to ask you another question just connected to the same thing uh, how interested are people in general when it comes to academic research or not academic research but higher academics in terms of research in terms of scientific research particularly are there a lot of people who try to do this and a few of them get selected a few of them leave what's been your observation about that so in terms of the numbers in india i don't think in any field we are short of numbers we mm. definitely have a lot of students applying we have uh, more than pe- uh, enough people applying for the positions that are available mm. the question is of course whether we are getting the right people to apply for that and mm. in that sense uh, we do struggle sometimes uh, we are not still getting the brightest students to get into basic sciences as yet mm-hmm. but it's improving you know in india what happens is the cream de la creme uh, that, mm-hmm. that 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 basically goes towards the iits etc mm-hmm. and yeah. then you have your mps and then you yeah. filter further down and then you get people in in basic research other right. unless somebody is really motivated from a younger age and right. there are people like that also but quite a few of the students who end up applying for these positions are students who have not been able to get into the higher paying jobs mm. so we do struggle in that sense mm. but it's improving thankfully a few years ago the indian government uh, started these uh, basic research centers called isers the indian ISERS, institute yeah. of science education and research mm. one of them is actually on bashan road and these are very high quality research institutions which mm. do take students at the undergrad and postgrad levels so we are already seeing a change in the mm. kind of students we are we are getting mm. and hopefully that will just keep on getting better in the, into the future that's great to hear which leads me to my next question which is about the future 15th of august 2047 india will wake up to 100 years of being a free country a free nation what india do you imagine on that day the 15th of august 2047 Uh, in terms of imagining i think we are at a pivotal moment uh, mm. it can go in either way either either towards a very bright future or towards a very negative future mm-hmm. and it's up to our generation and the next generation to decide what path we take mm-hmm. i would like it to be a country where uh, it, you know everybody's free to express themselves uh, but they do express themselves with certain caution while keeping in mind the scientific temper and i don't mean scientific in terms of basic sciences but mm. following facts rather than mm. just opinions which are mm. empty uh, so that would be the future that i imagine uh, mm. however it really depends on how what happens because we could very easily go down the wrong slide and and end up in a future which is much darker than the present mm. but i am optimistic mm. and so i would say i imagine a country which has stepped forward from where we are right now a country where technology has improved a lot mm-hmm. and uh, it is actually solving bigger and bigger problems with time 
which i think would be a natural progression if we continue doing what we are but like you said the challenge remains on where we put our weight on do we put on weight on nation building and and exercising our abilities to improve conditions or just going with the flow and then and then you know just everything gets messed up overnight without us noticing what went wrong yes that's right thank you for that answer as a scientist do you see there is something that people can do to help the scientific community achieve part of its goals right so yes of course people play a massive role in terms of what science can achieve uh, see scientists are basically trying to solve problems that's that's our job mm. we try to recognize problems and then try and find solutions to it mm. and that is for anything any type of science it's mm. what people can do and what people should do is actually listen to the experts we are these days going through waves where expert opinions are not uh, highly regarded uh, and that is something that definitely needs to change so people need to read a little bit more you know ignore things like what's happening on whatsapp and facebook etc because those are are notices which are not really coming from the experts but experts. as long as you listen to to the experts i think you you're fine and i agree that people like to dismiss experts but trust me uh, people who are who have been studying something for 10 15 years uh, they know what they are talking about okay. so this is something that people really need to do and the more people do it the more the government also realizes how important it is so policy decisions do get taken on how people feel and how people react so mm. as long as long as people react in a more educated way mm. i'm pretty sure that that will have science in the country itself wonderful and i i i completely agree with uh, your answer it, it has total honesty about it because i know of your efforts that you've put in the past with the uh, science on tap for example you know being able to take science to common man senior efforts and have been part of one or two of those and i, I just absolutely love that we make science casual and fun and i've i've thoroughly enjoyed it so thanks so much for doing that you know unfortunately for covid we i know we had to switch to the virtual uh, route like everything else but <clears throat> in person it was such a such a fantastic experience so thanks <laughs> i'm i'm glad you enjoyed it but as you said i mean see inherently i believe that people have this curiosity uh, about each and everything that's happening around them mm. the problem is the information that they get you know bombarded with is not right most of the time mm. so the entire reason for starting science on tap also was very singular is to get people talking to the experts right. and i've seen positive effects about it uh, so far at least i haven't uh, heard any negative feedback right. and that's mainly because once people start talking to experts without having that fear yeah. that they're going to feel uh, feel dumb <laughs> then then they really do open up and then they really start understanding what science is really about right right and i think i think that goes all the way back in school right because when i was in school these were dreaded subjects you know when we speak of science and we speak of math they were dreaded subjects and parents and uncles and aunts spoke about it and elder cousins spoke about it in such a way where you even if you liked math or science and that's a, that's one of the experiences that i had myself was when i liked science also uh, the initial responses i got from people around me elders especially was oh no science and math how do you fare in science and math you know those are tough subjects and i hope you're doing well and then there's this fear of yeah. saying oh i got science is this fun i don't know it's really complicated thing <laughs> <laughs> that is true it's mainly to do with how science was taught and in certain cases it's still being taught 
because mm. uh, science is basically understanding the life around you and everybody connects to the life around you so if it is made easy to understand then pretty much everybody connects with it mm. Mm. such an important point no it is i have another very interesting question for you india gave the world zero which is a technical a math pure math thing uh, we had shushuta and ayurveda and all the different sciences and of course the vedic scriptures also have touched upon various different forms of philosophies and sciences which are deep scientific research level uh, content and it was given to the world and over the next 25 years what do you think india can give the world right uh, so yes that's true in the past we did uh, contribute to the world's scientific achievements quite a lot and we are doing that even now of mm-hmm. course things have become so complicated because you know we are talking about very specific things in in the large field of science now mm-hmm. uh, that we don't hear about it as often but there mm-hmm. are some scientists doing some really good work already so uh, in that sense i think we are going to continue doing that uh, in terms of the basic research we are getting better we are getting better facilities uh, mm-hmm. to do basic research so i'm pretty sure in pretty much all the fields we'll be able to contribute significantly mm-hmm. uh, i don't think we will eventually prioritize any single subject as such which we should not but i think we need to be more holistic also in our approach and i think that's going to continue in terms of uh, the big achievements i mean there are scientists doing incredible things in the world of physics and in biology biotechnology india is one of the forefront in terms of research in terms of climate change also now we've started doing some significant studies which contribute to the global understanding of what is happening mm. so i i don't think you know sometimes we we look out for heroes you know that mm. one single person caused a big change mm. but science has gone ahead from those days we, mm. we 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 are not looking for einsteins anymore what we are looking at is collaborative efforts of lots of different scientists from different fields coming together and doing a multidisciplinary uh, step change and i think that's going to continue so maybe heroes in that sense are heroes of the entire community rather right. than an individual i think that's a very interesting point uh, you just stated anup that there is a huge amount of collaborative work happening which means that people are acknowledging and understanding that scientific research like anything else can only get better if work together as a team rather than just lesser people having limited resources because it's again a manifested yes. towards entire humanity right it's not just india exactly. that benefits with some pollution cleared off here Wow. yeah and also we are looking at much more complicated problems than there were you know a century ago or two centuries mm. because at that mm. point one person could sit and and discover a chemical element for example mm. uh, but now those those relatively easier scientific problems have been solved so mm. now we are looking at much more complex uh, uh, systems and mm. for that having one person do it all is just impossible you know mm. i keep telling my students also that mm. gone are the days of single author publications and mm-hmm. science mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. always going to be multiple author publications because now we are looking at much more complex systems than we did in the past mm. wonderful thanks so much for that information also i'm just making notes so that i i have my a uh, little bit of reading sure, after sure. the podcast so that i have some insights that i can gather and you know and build on this because this is all vital information because it's not every day that everyone gets 
the opportunity to talk to someone from scientific research world or like i did before sure. with educators or with innovators or even just my previous episode was with a student and i learned so much you know mm-hmm. that 12 year old girl taught me a couple of things so i i love right. to make notes and thanks so thanks so much for this i have one last question before i let you go and that question is uh, probably on the minds of a lot of parents how does a student know that there is an aptitude for science how does a student know that they are um, material for scientific research okay so that is a very difficult question and honestly i don't think i have a good answer to it but mm-hmm. what i'll i'll give you is from my own experience the mm-hmm. first thing that that helps you understand that you want to follow science is that you are curious about things and plus you start putting more importance onto facts as compared to feelings so mm. in that sense you might seem like a bit of a robot to other people but mm. you know the fact that you really do weigh facts uh, that that makes a huge difference in 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 your aptitude in terms mm. of what subject to choose uh, that depends on interest and mm. there's no clear way of deciding what your 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 son or daughter would end up doing mm-hmm. uh, i think that person really needs to go and experience life in the laboratories as a scientist to know what they might be good at for example i know of a couple of theoretical and theoretical scientists who mm-hmm. started off in the lab because mm-hmm. they did have the scientific temper but they they really did not enjoy it and mm-hmm. you know so obviously it was putting people in the wrong environment and the minute they left the lab and started working on theoretical studies they excelled mm. so it's it's not sometimes it's not easy to decide what you're going to do in the future it comes right. by trial and error right. but the one thing i would encourage any parent who wants their child to get into sciences is to ask them to get in touch with universities and institutions that are doing science and try and think about like short internships because mm. that gives you a real feel about what science is like Mm-hmm. and uh, will help you really decide the right path without mm-hmm. making mistakes and mm-hmm. and then having to switch later on in life i love how that the 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 use of the terms facts versus feelings it's just so crisp <laughs> for me to think about now myself saying if i'm going to approach something scientifically it means i have to put complete confidence on facts than feelings Uh, thank you so yeah, much and it's not it's not easy it is definitely sure not easy not especially easy. when there are other people involved but yes. sometimes you have to learn to make that distinction to yeah. to excel at your yeah. your studies i'm sure i'm sure that a lot of parents who are listening are going to appreciate the tip that you shared just now to be able to put facts over feelings and and of course it's not easy um, especially if you are with a bunch of people Great, great. I have a lot of questions, but I think we have limited time to keep this going on. I have, I, I have now. You have just sparked a lot of curiosity within my own mind about several aspects of this. You know, uh, science is one part of it, but just the approach leading towards research is is something that I am very curious about. And I think I will uh, catch up with you sometime uh, whenever we can in the early days next, and uh, have a long conversation about this with you. But for now, thank you so much for sharing your views, your ideas, your information, your knowledge about this subject, and thank you for giving me time for this show. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. That's it for now. So, all of you, that was Dr. Anup Mahajan sharing his ideas about what India could be on 15th of August, 2047, and I thank him once again for the time that he shared with us. Thank you so much, Anup. Thank you, Omar. Cheers. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.
And that, my dear friends, was today's episode with Dr. Anoop Mahajan, the atmospheric chemist that does research that assists in fighting climate change. I hope you all enjoyed listening to this episode. And as always, please continue to leave your feedback and write to me if you have any interesting comments, questions or information to share. Like always, also say, please reach out to me if you have any interesting people that I must meet in contact or have a conversation with. Stay tuned as I bring you more and more episodes each week on 100years.in, which is brought to you by Radio Room Podcast. My name is Amar Kulkarni. Until I see you in the coming week, you take good care of yourself and everyone else around you. Bye-bye.